everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I would like to say hello to my guests and introduce them to you. Okay. All right. Here's what I do. Two versions of the show. There's the Monday show, which is a one-on-one, although today it's a Mm one-on-two. And uh, then there's the Thursday show, which is a panel. And I have a slightly different introduction. And I just like did a little bit of the Thursday introduction and it felt all wrong. It felt, it's okay. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no. Hello, Kurt Brownoller. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back. I had you on the show in December of 2013. Oh, okay. So lots of stuff has, you were pitching oh, yeah. Asbury Park. Oh, wow. Okay. We, <laughs> I really, we really got into some yeah. ideas. In. You were fresh, <laughs> just... fresh from pitching then. And your lovely wife, Lauren Cook is here. Hello. You're both comedians uh, and you guys host the podcast like br- short podcast series wedlock which yes. i just binge listened to oh. it's so good thank I like you that. Thank and you. you also have a daughter who's um a couple months younger than elliot very close in age yeah. yeah so all sorts of stuff for us to get into oh really, my god i can't really wait. is i know either. yeah first i want to uh tell you guys i'm going to be at sketch fest on january 13th my show is at 4 p.m at the gateway theater it's currently sold out my guests are janine garofalo and matt nathanson however um i felt confident about being it, it being sold out and i knew that some tickets might be available the day of until a friend of mine was like you better check because you don't know how many they've reserved they might have reserved like you might think you're sold out you might not really be sold out so now i'm like what if sold out is like 15 tickets and they've reserved the rest (laughs) that is i I always worry about that but then it's like it's exciting for people who think it's sold out or i'm one of them i was one of them (laughs) yeah but then it's it's exciting for people who think it's sold out and then they get the tickets a day of that's true or people think it's sold out i'm not even gonna bother and then you have a half empty place well upon (laughs) finding out it was sold out i actually i think there were a couple shows where i didn't plug it in this manner but now i'm back to plugging yeah because who knows plug i it. think it is gen i think it is genuinely sold out and hopefully some tickets will be available the day of the show yeah and also plug it always plug it people right. they always say their favorite part of podcasts is the plugs right the <laughs> plugs on the reads yeah they always say that <laughs> right. and when people give their twitter handle too yeah, uh-huh. yeah they're um, like oh i love that part here yeah. that part. i know yeah, I just I fast forward through the conversation because <laughs> uh-huh. I got to hear the reads. Well, what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, okay. So you guys, did you meet in New York? Yes, we did. You were in we New did. York for a long time, and then you moved out here. We were both in New York for a long time, but we only dated for a year before we moved out here together. Is that right? Yeah, we just jumped right into it. It's funny it's when crazy. we think back on it, we're like, I would have given myself very different advice from what. <laughs> A little more time. Just, yeah, get to know that person before you move across the country with them. How did you meet? Uh, we met at a concert, at a Yolo Tang- Yola Tango concert in uh, in Brooklyn at mm-hmm. the Bell House. And I complimented her on her uh, stripy shirt. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we were following each other on Twitter before. So, I, so I, saw, I saw him and I was like, I know you. And he said, I know you. Nice stripes. I think I said nice stripes first, right? Well, maybe that's true. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you said nice stripes, and then I was like, I know you. I was on a date with someone else, which is funny. Um, But yeah, that's how we met. And then I always think we like, I kept her from her date for like 20 minutes, and she was like, You bought me a drink. It was like three minutes. (laughs) But that night, and this is very true, 
even though I was very drunk, I did say uh, to a good friend as she was leaving with her date from that night, I uh, said, there, that, that's the woman I'm going to marry. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. I nailed it. And that I was don't, his thing, though. He was saying I, that about every I was girl. Gonna, yeah, eventually, I it's going to be right. not saying it. And that's the best part, that I feel good in my... She thinks I was saying it about every woman I was yeah. sleeping with then. You're a pretty um, romantic guy, I feel no, like. No, I, I really am I'm positive okay. that I only said it about you. That's sweet. And then what happened? Um, oh, man. I, oh, I sent well, you a weird questionnaire? Yes. You Facebook friended me, <laughs> and and then you asked these questions like, let's get to know each other. Do you prefer a be- a day at the beach or going camping? <laughs> Is that really one of them? Are those the only options? Those were the only options. I was like, well, of course, a day at the beach. I hate camping, and Kurt's favorite thing to do in the whole world is camping. And also go to the beach. It's kind of funny that I chose two things that I love to do, both of them. We should. I, sh- I should have looked it up ahead of time. It was a really funny questionnaire. I was like, who is this man? Yeah, I got then, her. I hooked her. Were, now, Lauren, were you already interested? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. I wasn't like... Like it took a couple dates and and then and then I think I was more into him than he was into me. But in the very beginning, you were maybe a little more into me than I was into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also had weird first dates too. We they were did. always like other people were always there. There was a torrential downpour. Yeah. It was it was like a lot of like He uh, had bed bugs. So that was like wow. right away a really intense opened and then the i kind of gave you bed bugs he did I? give me bed bugs yeah because i was staying with her because i had bed bugs and then i was like there's no way they transfer on your body right. or whatever and uh yeah they transfer on your body they, yeah. they can totally do that how big are bed bugs because i lived in new york for years and was very aware of them being a thing but i don't think i ever had them but i'm still unclear on like you would how know. do you know oh you, you would, would know. know you would know you wake up with bites all over you but the I didn't have them all over me, but yeah, you get bites, and generally your neighbors are are like throwing away everything they own. <laughs> and that's when you realize <laughs> that you too have to throw away everything right. you own. It was actually weirdly, I got the bed bugs at another Yola Tango show. <laughs> that is Wait, so you can weird. get them at a show. You I, don't that's have how I proof fe- of this. I don't have I don't proof feel of it. Like but- this is fair to Yola Tango. Well, it's not. It has nothing to do with them. It was the club Maxwell's and that has had the clothes, had right? the bed bugs. I think. Um, and I left my jacket down like a mm. bu- um, amongst a bunch of like stuff. Ugh. And I. F- and then I don't know why that that like sticks in my head where I was like, I got home and then that was the night that I realized like one, the next night when I, the next morning I woke up and I was like, had bed bug bites and I had not had them before that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe they got on my jacket. It's really, Let's if you ever see someone, bugs. no, if you ever <laughs> see someone's just... bed bugs, give them a hug because it is the most alienating experience ever. And everyone d- hates you and d- won't, won't talk to you or have you over. Yeah. Except for and, my except wonderful for wife who then I gave her bed bugs. Right. Yeah, it was an intense start. Yeah. We were, um, I was a personal assistant at the time, and I invited Kurt to spend the night because we were both getting our houses fumigated. And at this point, we were completely like wearing all new clothes. I remember you <laughs> bought a, a suitcase. Like we were not infected. Mm-hmm. But um, so I had Kurt over to this, to and, this man's he was, house. Yeah, he, he was he gone for the weekend. And in the West Village, it was gorgeous. What was this a celebrity? 
No, no, you were a producer, He's a producer guy. Okay. Yeah, just a very wealthy dude. And this house was actually across the street from the real Sex in the the house where they taped Sex in the City, like really quaint, perfect mm-hmm. place. And uh, and Kurt and I had sex all over the apartment. <laughs> and then the guy came home. That but I we were for. sleeping. Who like, owns the apartment? We he was had, supposed to not come home oh, until no. the next morning. But like we had like, had sex on the couch, and then I was laying there naked, and she was like, "You should put some <laughs> underwear on before we go to bed." And I was like, "What?" Like, if he walks in right now and I'm naked, it's going to matter whether I have underwear on or not. <laughs> Is it going to make any and, difference? And she's just like, "Just put underwear on," and then it <laughs> and was then like literally 10 thirty later. seconds later. We had the lights off. We were going to bed, and he just like walked in. And he I, had told me that he he had me like rent his car and his place a whole nother day, so I was assured he was not coming home. And the first thing that he said when the first thing I said when he walked in the door was like, "I'm so sorry, I have bed bugs." <laughs> <laughs> like right off the bat, and then I couldn't find my glasses. Oh and- man, Kurt was just like screaming about his, and he couldn't see it. Neither of us could see anything. I had taken my contacts out. Kurt had taken his glasses off. He's running around. Nate, in my underwear. in underwear but also i introduced myself like very gentlemanly to him and <laughs> were, used were his, you like, happy you were wearing underwear oh, oh I, totally i was thrilled wearing underwear. <laughs> i was really thrilled but i referred to him as like his his nickname that like only close friends call mm-hmm. him which i didn't know because that's always what lauren would call him and so it's like it's, oh. it's an additional like there's a man who just had sex it definitely smells like sex who definitely had sex in your house you don't know him and he's referring to by you're like timmy or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and then i we decided to leave looking for your glasses i was like put your pants on just please put your pants on he's like my glasses are on a flat surface that's what i kept saying i was like i put them down on a flat surface but then eventually we, we just left without your glasses we yeah were we were like, just like we i was like i'll them. get i'll wear my sunglasses there because like, i had like prescription sunglasses and then we just left and then he was so kind he like called he chased after us. us he called after us down the street he was like i found your glasses and then laura and, and i got in a big fight about because it because kurt said right away that's a fireable offense no she said do you think i'll lose my job and i was like well it's a fireable offense and i think that i was being uh, honest she uh, got so, this is what i realized just given me bed bugs i had <laughs> Like, literally burned 80% of my clothing, my bed. This was my job. And he was telling me I was going to get fired. Well, no, you said, do you think I'm going to fire? And I said, it's a fireable offense. It was which too it soon. Is. You it can't was too come soon. out. And this li- is when I realized Lauren just needs me to back her up and not give her truth sometimes. See, I... <laughs> Lauren is rolling her eyes. That's not the thing that it's just a- Lauren needs. That's the thing that any human yes. needs in the moment of a catastrophe. I... My husband can be very blunt Mm -hmm. about things that I'm very sensitive about. Um, And I go, like, sometimes I'm like, it's great. I know that he's incapable of lying. Like, he's just honest. But then there's other times where I'm like, but you've known me now for many years. We've had this same type of conversation over and over and over. How can you just, like, keep stepping on the mine in the yes exactly. that minefield that i created by asking the question but still like <laughs> ha, just have some sensitivity issue. or diplomacy yes. or something like that yes. i guess so i mean i i guess so and i do i have uh now i i feel You're like i'm better, better at it now a little better yeah um but i it's a conscious decision it's not like what i want to say i go this is what i want to say right i should not say that well i assume I this other like with my husband i Daniel, I assume it must not be an intuitive thing. He's not, tr- he's 
he's just being what he thinks is a good person. Like he's not trying to be a dick at all, you know? But like if it weren't in the same way that I think Lauren and I could have these kind of conversations and just intuitively know how to not set each other off. Yeah. No, I guess I'm making a move on your woman is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys are really going to get along. It's going to be great. Um, No, I I do think that that I have to make a, I think you have to like make a conscious decision, at least sometimes for some men, for me to be more uh, sensitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now you were both raised by single moms. Mm -hmm. That's right. Kurt, do you think being raised by a single mom and you were very close with your, you're both Mm -hmm. close with your moms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we both, I mean, it's a little bit different, but we both kind of are only children as well. Kurt has like a whole slew of half siblings, but when he was with his mom, it was just him. Yeah. And when I was with my mom, it was just me. So that's like a very specific upbringing, I think. Yeah. Mm. It's just the two of you against the world. Yeah. Right. So I was going to ask Kurt, do you think being raised by a single mom allowed, like made you maybe more understanding of women or in what way did it rub off? on you i mean i think it definitely rubbed off on me um i i tend to want to work with women uh more than men like all of my uh like representation i've specifically chosen uh women over men um and yeah i don't know i think maybe it i i think maybe in the past i would have thought it like i would have said like yes i am very sensitive because of that um i still think i'm like a dude um, who still has to kind of like work through that stuff, but maybe I'm more open to it. Cause it was like, yeah, the only, the main communication I had was with a woman for like the majority of like my growing up and brain forming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it has to, it, it totally affects me. Right. And yeah. how do you think it affected you, Lauren? You know, it's hard. It's a hard question to answer just cause I didn't know anything right. else. Um, <clears throat> but I am definitely very comfortable with women. I think, uh, I weirdly like I think because my mom and I are so close I tend to have like a very small circle Mm -hmm. so like I have like two really 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 close friends I have a million trillion friends that I love and adore but you know what I mean like that it's it's a smaller crew because I'm used to a lot more one-on-one um I definitely was not comfortable around men for a while I definitely prefer to work with women um but yeah no I feel like all of that is sort of something you deal with in your early 20s. And then you're like, well, I'm an adult now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, you know, and th- that's interesting that you said that. I never thought about this. But I also, I have a very big friend circle. And I think that's because at a certain point, I think my mom was, uh, she was scared or she was made to feel scared by my uncles that I was turning into like a sissy boy or like a mama's boy. So then at a certain point, like maybe 12 or 13, I really just was like, uh, we, I you was made completely, your own in, I was completely independent. Like, cause she was afraid she was being too overbearing. Yeah, I think so. And then it was like, I just, I just w- like, you know, he I had went his crazy. own phone line. Oh, that's the coolest. Isn't that so baller? And like the whole like attic in seventh was grade like or mine. something. And so like I had like kind of an, my own space too. Mm. And also I think it was I think it was smart on her on on psychologically on her level cuz I'm like I'm like a, a teenage boy like all of a sudden like 
going through hormones and everything. She just like put the animal upstairs <laughs> and let the animal do what it wants. But like, you know, I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't, uh, I wasn't like a bad kid or anything, but it did a lot of drugs and stuff and mm-hmm. had a lot of people over all the time. Like our house was the place that people would come. And I think that was like, my mom preferred it that way. She knew where I was and stuff like that. Uh, but it wasn't like that she was cool with drug use or anything like that. She, we kept that from her. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the we? Oh, me and, me and my friends. <laughs> gotcha. And so you grew up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Lauren, where did you grow up? I started in a suburb of Boston, and then we moved to uh, Ellicott City, Maryland, which is in between Baltimore and D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different directions I want to go. And yet the thing that is, I'm sorry, Kurt, the thing that's forefront in my mind is something that I just heard when I was, like I said, I binge listened to all the episodes of Wedlock today and i mean i was listening today i didn't start today but at the very end of the episode about talking about sex Uh that lauren walked in on you masturbating oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah yeah. there's that story we just like put it on at the end of that oh yeah it was two weeks after we got married Mm -hmm. oh yeah that was uh yeah that was a well no i'm dying to ask you has that ever happened no. Okay, can you imagine if that happened? Well, hearing <laughs> you say that, I can't remember if you said it or Kurt said that you burst into tears. <laughs> like, it totally tugged at my heart and it made me, I never would have, if someone were to propose this hypothetical to me of like, you walk in on Daniel doing this, would you cry? I think I would say no, except that upon hearing that, I'm like, oh, I could see just being so like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I maybe think I also would. it was because of it was two weeks after marriage. Exactly. Too. If it were to happen now, it wouldn't, that wouldn't be the reaction. But yeah, it was funny, like talking to different people about that reaction. Everybody was like, why do you care? Why, you know, like, like we we talked to Cam and Rhea about it. Um, Cameron Esposito, Rio Butcher. Yeah. They were on Wedlock. <laughs> they're a married couple and they're comedians out, yeah. and they're lesbians. And they were like, yeah, no, that like we are real open about the fact like I'm going to masturbate. Are you, oh, you, you finishing the show or you know what I'm like? <laughs> are you still eating like, that? Yeah. Do you, do you want me to make you a sandwich while you masturbate or whatever? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was just like, well, first of all, we we joke about the fact that it was like a horrendous sight to walk upon. <laughs> <laughs> it's never it's never pleasant for to to to. He to, was just a, hunched over and just like sweaty and fucking maniacal expression on his face, and I was like, Who "And this is, is where this I monster." We, we do disagree. I don't think I was standing up. Lauren thinks I, mean, I was standing. I, there's up. no doubt about it. You were totally. I standing. think I was in the process of standing and pumping. Yeah. Yes, like pumping, pumping, pumping. <laughs> um and so but over the laptop yes exactly (laughs) and and i was just shocked and also i had been gone for 20 minutes i truly just went to the grocery store so it like when you first get married and also when you're about to get married i myself was in this place of like this is the way it's gonna be for the rest of your life (laughs) this problem that you're having is just gonna manifest (laughs) and magnify (laughs) and this is what you're locked into now (laughs) and it was like holy shit there's no romance i leave for 20 minutes like we could have had like awesome sex but you're what are you and then oh that was when she was crying i think that's what you were crying about right yeah i don't remember and then i was trying to comfort her by being like it's not the same thing yeah it's just this is just a stress relief it doesn't has nothing to do with sex yeah but that doesn't that doesn't work very well when your wife's crying because she saw you masturbate (laughs) (laughs) it was not it was an awkward kickoff We've had a few awkward kickoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're what are full the others? Of them. Oh, man. 
I mean. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking of your stand-up. It's so funny how like you start to forget what's real and what's you in your hour. Or I think it was in your hour where you like named all three things. But he also, <laughs> when we first uh, got married, he was like <clears throat> had bought some ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll tell the story. Uh, we had ice cream in the house. It was right after <laughs> marriage. Um, so and like week. And uh, I, I was like, I, what I wanted to do was we were like quietly working alone at our, our, our computers. And what I wanted to do was like just out of the blue, just be like, uh, uh, time for ice cream. And like get up <laughs> and get us some ice cream. But what I did was I yelled time for ice cream and then got up and tripped over my own chair <laughs> and send a lamp crashing to the floor on top of the dog. <laughs> oh, no. So It was like the one nice piece of furniture we had we this had. lamp just shattered and so out of the blue she's just quietly working that it's like time for ice cream <laughs> she's like what the fuck is happening so it was a lot of stuff right yeah. there yeah i'm trying to think what else i don't know what else there is did we're did, doing pretty well though yeah how is it going since having a kid because i have found and i think daniel would say this too it's um it's a everything's great fine between us but like we didn't used to argue a lot uh-huh. and it is a real stressor on a marriage oh, oh yeah, yeah for I sure. always, i've been trying think... to write a stand-up sorry go ahead well no go ahead i've been trying to write a stand-up bit about like people who get married to like save or people who oh, get yeah. have a kid to like <laughs> right. save their marriage and it's like it's so funny to me because oh my god that's gonna destroy it yeah. immediately because it just puts stressors on everything yeah yeah and There's... also that you're not focused on the other person you're focused on this thing I mean, not this thing, <laughs> a child living being. This human person. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, we're really in a new phase from where we were. Mm-hmm. So I think we can kind of comment on it because we're out of it. But those first three months are, for us, were anyway, so tremendously dark. It was like really, really difficult. Um, you know, I think I had some postpartum stuff. I know I did in the very beginning. And you're just not sleeping at all. And you know that that's what's going to happen. But then when it happens, it's still really like a gut punch that you are not anticipating. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially because I, I was breastfeeding, I really felt kind of resentful. Like, like there was so much that I had to do that mm-hmm. he couldn't do, even if he wanted to. And I was fucking pissed about it. I just was like, <laughs> this is inherently unfair. I really mm-hmm. thought I was going to get into a half seas. Like I married this very progressive guy. We're doing this half and half. And it's not half and half. You're so much more screwed if you're the lady. And I was like, "You, that's God's fault. Talk to evolution. It's not my yeah, but business. He would just do little stuff. Like he would just be like, she's hungry. She's hungry. And I'm like, she just ate. It's like, I'm sorry, babe. You, she's got to eat again. And it's like, I knew that. But just there was something about him telling me that when I had just disrobed and fucking put on that tire you have to wear. Oh. So anyway, we um, went to couples therapy for a little while. We, and we went to couples therapy not like kind of because of wedlock. We were mm-hmm. just like, oh, this will maybe like could be a segment you know because we didn't have like something that we really needed to like work on and then it was incredibly helpful yeah it was almost essential i think just to get us through that period because you don't realize that you're holding on to strange things somebody said four years ago that you just need to get off your chest and all of that can kind of 
it can all be exacerbated when you're exhausted and you're mm-hmm. thinking like you always do this or I'm always playing this role. Anyway, it was really, really good for us. Yeah. And we, and to anybody out there, you know, like it's, it's also very expensive. It's sort of prohibitively expensive mm-hmm. in our case, but we only did like maybe nine or 10 sessions and that was enough. And and our therapist said that that's pretty common like if you're if you're a healthy relationship you don't necessarily need to like always be in therapy but you need to like clear the air and get things off your chest i would recommend it to anyone this is making me feel like daniel and i should be in because it's like it's just a nice like takes this takes the pressure off like the steam Mm -hmm. whatever did it get worse before it got better because that would be my fear is like i I can't believe that thing you said in that room right there were, I think there were maybe like a few sessions where I remember being in the room and being like, well, now I feel like it's going to be fucking weird until we come back again. I feel mm-hmm. like it's going to be hard for the next 48 hours. And I think just saying that was like, it won't be weird. Let's hug it out. It's not, you know, we can table this conversation. But that really only happened, I think, once or twice. And also when you table a conversation like that and then you come back to it and like the emotion's not there, it's like, it's so like, oh, well, this is, it's like, it's lost it some has, of its power. That's, I 100% agree with that. Once it, once it comes out of your mouth, a lot of the power of it is has gone away. Mm-hmm. And also it's, sometimes when you say it, you realize how dumb it sounds. Do you know what I mean? Like you're like this and then, and then as I say it, okay, yeah, that sounds petty. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or you can kind of, you know, or you discover that it is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are those times where you're just like, it's just literally like, it's like stuff. Oh, this is what I always thought of it as. It's when, um, uh, if you see something at like the below water, that's a little murky and it looks like something crazy and you're like, oh no, it's a shark. It's something. And then when you pull it up, it's like, oh, it's a chair that was just sitting down there. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, that's kind of what it is. Like, oh, I can, now I got a chair. You know, uh, <laughs> it's much more useful. I once caught a desk. That's why I, I was when I was fishing. Yeah, caught a desk uh, right off of the coast of New Jersey. It's some real clean water. You, it was beautiful. What'd you do with it? Oh, I wanted to keep it. I was so excited, and the guy just <laughs> cut my line. Prize it was desk. like one of those big, like fluke fishing things that you like take out from Sheep's Head Bay, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was the only thing i caught all day and we'd been there for six hours and i i don't enjoy fishing and so i was like this is a bit whoa something big's coming something big and it was like a 1960s like desk from a from a like a like a school and it's so I had like the little hook on it and i was so excited to keep it and he just cut it and it went right back down to the bottom I feel like it would have had a happier life with you. Oh I my God, it would, it have, would have. I would have been real. I would be like, I fished. I caught this desk. <laughs> right. Yeah. You could mount it on the wall. I would have kept it. I would have kept it forever. Uh, let's talk about wedlock. I mm-hmm. loved it so much. I am very, as someone who does a podcast where we just have a conversation and then I just throw it up and then I write a little thing on the, my Which is way 90% of people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But still, when I hear a podcast that's as thought out conceptual has segments super well produced that whenever i say that it sounds like i'm insulting jeff and i'm not no 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 <laughs> you know no, what no. i mean though? yeah it, it, it is. has Very a different. sound designer just the whole the whole like it's we, cinematic we traveled a lot yeah. yeah it was a it was a whole different ball of wax i am always i always get this like oh someday i want to do something like that so explain the explain what wedlock is and then what the process was like 
So it started, um, we, we actually started with Nerdist, much more like this format, mm-hmm. where it was just, we would have a chat and we would kind of like, had just, just gotten married and we weren't sure we wanted to get married. And so we were kind of like thinking about what what marriage means and yeah, why, why people, people do get at yeah why people get married especially with divorce rates at like whatever 50% or whatever they are yeah and then we like started taking some funny field trips where we we would take the recorder and we like hiked into the woods to go camping and we got there and they weren't there to let us into our cabin and so we were kind of like stranded in the woods and we taped a whole episode and so stuff like that started happening and then the people at Audible approached us from those episodes that were airing on Nerdist and they wanted to do something far, far more produced. And we were psyched to do mm-hmm. that. Um, but it would not have been possible without them because they had a budget and we could fi- fly places and we could interview all of these um, unlikely experts. Um, and I think that it's really a case of we went from one extreme to the other extreme. Mm-hmm. And I would love to find a happy medium moving forward only because those episodes, it was kind of mandated that they had to be under a half an hour. Mm-hmm. And so we would have incredible tape. I mean, we would have tape that could be three episodes and we had to cut it down to 15 minutes. Right. Um, and and so, did you make the decisions about editing or was someone else? It was, doing a, it was a collective decision. Mm-hmm. But they, the they edited there. it. Um, yeah, with and, and we we could give notes, but that's really different to give notes than to like do your own cut. And really, just like I said, the the mandate of thirty minutes was like, well, why did they want thirty minutes? I think they were part just, of their yeah. They they had the, that that that's the, like at that time for mm-hmm. Audible, they were just trying to make thirty minute kind of like like te- almost television like. It feels like a television show. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 We would love. I mean, we'd love to do it continue doing it in any form yeah um but yeah it but there were like upsides and downsides to it and also took the those six episodes took a year so, and a half right yeah. well so i um had aj jacobs who hosts oh my god what is it called it's through and and huh, i can't remember the name or who it's with so i'm so glad i started this sentence <laughs> no, AJ Jacobs, <laughs> twice removed i think it's npr Okay. If it's not NPR, it's something like that. Yes. Um, and yeah, he was talking about the whole, and it's, that's another one where I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, it's so well done. It's so well produced. It's so like, you know, all the different people that you get on and blah, blah, blah. And he's an author primary, uh, that's like his first uh, author journalist. And he said the whole thing made him realize he really doesn't love working with other people that much (laughs) just because it was like a room full of people that all decisions had to be made via. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the case. I mean, so are the people we worked with at rooftop who are, have now been bought by audible were incredible and we love them. But a lot of the decisions were like ratcheted up all the way to Amazon. And mm-hmm. so that's why there was such a delay. And, and it really felt like people, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but ultimately it felt like people who don't understand podcasting were making these decisions. Um, and so so we're not working with them anymore. <laughs> uh, but we want everyone to listen to those six episodes and we want to make something similar to that, but with a little bit more It'll be a little... room to breathe. You know, mm-hmm. just because sometimes we talked to awesome people. We talked to a cam girl and I was like, that could be, I could just talk to her for I half an hour. Even know. So this is in the episode. 
uh, titled a- Monogamy. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the first episode. Yeah, and so the way the podcast works is in each you each episode looks at a specific and correct me if I say anything that doesn't sound right to you, a specific facet of relationships. Yes. And um, in an episode, first you'll interview someone and then you'll do have some kind of experience. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll take a listener question. Yeah. And so in this one, you talk to Taylor Stevens, who's a really famous cam girl. Yep. I didn't even know what cam girls were. And like you guys, I was stunned at how much fucking money they make. They make it's so insane. Much money. There's one, one thing like she six, said. Uh, what? She said in one day her uh, uh, she got twenty seven thousand dollars in tips. Yeah, in tips, and that's not what she and and then they charge I think ten or twenty dollars a minute. Right, and she has multiple guys no, in I, a room at the same time. I mean, we'll have to play it back, but I think it was a twenty seven thousand dollar tip. Yeah, I think it was twenty eight thousand. Twenty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Woo. Yeah, she just makes a ton of money, hand over fist. And so also, how- she's one of the and 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 I, you know, I, I've since spoken to people who have been like, oh, I just saw a thing on Cam Girls who don't make any money, mm. and I think it's kind of like podcasting, you know, yes, where right. it's like if you if were you around from early- the beginning and got in early. And you know, have a good show. You can make a lot of money, and then if they have regulars for years and years and years mm-hmm. and years, people who just like what, hang out. What yeah. what are they like? How does this work, Cam Girls? So they uh, sit in a room with a camera on, mm-hmm. and then she got famous from doing what what's called a bouncy booby show. She has like really extraordinary boobs. Her boobs are are humongous huge huge. yeah super big and so then guys log on to this room and then they can chat with her Mm -hmm. and then you know in the the traditional relationship they say like do this and then they do that sort of thing but then what it evolves into is like being kind of a a relationship for these men so they just come to just talk to her Mm -hmm. and she's kind of evolved from like doing sex stuff to just chatting with these guys sometimes topless, sometimes not even topless. And so she's like now in a relation, multiple relationships with all these guys all over the country. It's confusing to me though, just as you're describing it, like is she chatting to 60 men at the same time? It's hard. Like I think she has a feed so everyone can see her, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how she juggles all these different requests. She's juggling a lot. She's (laughs) juggling a lot. And like I think my, because when you hear about their experience, it seems like it's just one-on-one. They're like asking her to do things. They tip her to do things. Right. She gets a good enough tip. I think she does things she maybe wouldn't do generally. Um so yeah, I'm confused about how right. Like, are all they all in once? a chat room together? Probably not. I don't think they can <clears throat> see other people's. <clears throat> she can see all of them, so right. it feels to them like it's yeah. one on one. So it's yeah, probably I wonder just like what a- platform that is. Like, what is she using? Right. I don't know. I don't know. But also, we'll it's like I think again. she can limit how many people are in the you know in the room at the time and all mm. that sort of thing. Right. But yeah, it's like ten or twenty dollars a minute. And it seemed like you guys had a little bit different ideas about what constitutes cheating yes that's what i think inspired that episode um because well so partly what inspired this portion of the episode is that i have a lot of friends um people i know quite well who've whose marriages or and or like long-term relationships have ended because they were either texting inappropriate stuff or had like an online fling and Kurt's response was often like, but they didn't fuck anybody. Like mm-hmm. they didn't touch anybody. There wasn't. And so it was, it came out of that as, as this conversation with the, it's still, 
that's still infidelity. That's still cheating. Right. Right. And, and that was the question that kind of came out of it, which was like, uh, is cheating a physical uh, relationship or is it an emotional relationship? Having an emotional re- relationship with someone else. And I, I always said, like, it's of physical. people are, are battling this. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's so common now. Yeah. Uh, because you can have like this emotional relationship with someone and never even see them in person. Right. And that's, I still have that. You can have, have a that. sexual relationship and never meet them in person. Right. And I still have that thing in my head where it feels like if you've, ne- if you don't, if you don't never met this person, how can it be cheating? But I kind of warm to the other side that it could possibly be considered cheating because this woman who is a cam girl definitely considers what she did with some of these guys uh, cheating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was just like no. It was, like what it was she considers what they're doing cheating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like she wouldn't want that done to her. Right. Yeah. She were in a relationship. Yeah. Right. Someone she was in a relationship with, but also she's not in a relationship, and she says it's really difficult to be in one because of the fact that of what she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So totally fascinating. And yeah. then you went and watched a bunch of bonobos. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I didn't realize. I mean, I guess I'm just not up on my primates. I didn't realize they have sex like a bazillion times a day just but, to say thank you or sorry or whatever. Yeah, they have sex more than any other uh, mammal. Uh, so they think, they think of sex like 38, 40 times a day. But they do it. It's like bonobos and chimpanzees are very similar. Um, and chimpanzees fight all the time, and it's a patriarchal society. And uh, bonobos never fight; they <laughs> they well, only they don't very they, rarely they, fight. They rarely but fight. They have sex constantly, and it's a matriarchy. And uh, it's not just heterosexual sex at all. It's just oh yeah, not female, at all. female. Yes, yes, male, male, yes, everything, female, male. Mm-hmm. And it's usually about. Uh, Is it just like, rubbing of their genitals together? Like what are they doing? It's a little bit of everything. But there is a lot of rubbing of genitals. Um, and it is often, it's definitely around mealtime. Mm-hmm. So it's truly like the mom comes out with lunch for everybody. And because she can only give food to so many people at once, she's just like rubbing everybody else <laughs> off. <laughs> or she's taking food from you. She's like, wait your turn. You. She's basically saying, wait your turn. Or she's taking food directly from you and yeah. then fucking you a little bit to make you feel better about the fact that you just lost out on like a bunch of grapes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But did you lose out? You know, like, <laughs> right? You also got to come a little bit, or whatever happened. Um, it's fascinating. I'm just fascinated. I especially find it fascinating that it's a matriarchal society because it's like, what if we had gone a different path right. as humans? Yeah, like what would Starbucks look like? You know, <laughs> would there be like a bunch of chambers? I don't know. I don't know how these things. It's it's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> all of our junk would be out at all times because it right. has to be. Yes, you would have like, it, for strangers immediate and access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like paying a cab driver or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so there was monogamy, there was fighting, mm-hmm. and then you and you talked to a hostage negotiator. Yeah. yeah. Which is, how did you, you talked, let's just go through them all because I want, I want the listeners to know yeah. how amazing this is so they will go listen. Oh, thank you. Fighting, talk to a hostage negotiator. And we then, also did um, fight therapy, which right. is like this weird physical. Like jiu-jitsu with exactly. Kyle Kinane and his girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there was one where you talked about crisis. Mm-hmm. That got very personal. Um, where, and we ran a, yes. one of those mud, what, what the hell is it called? Warrior Dash. Warrior Dash. Yeah. Yeah, While Warrior you were Dash. pregnant. Yeah. Um, you went to a not not a nudist colony, but a nudist yes. place. Dealing with change. That was that one. That was crazy. That I still think about that. 
That- <laughs> also very pregnant. Like, I can't. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were pretty pregnant then, too. And that had one of my favorite lines. Kurt, you guys were naked and you got in a river and you said something like, the water feels really good on my ding dong and in my butthole. <laughs> it really was. Very nice. It's a very nice thing to go swimming naked. Um, I can get why they do it. But it's also the weird. the weirdest part about that whole place is how not sexual, sexual it is. It is. not even in the least and i still confuses me right why it's not sexual where was this place it was in arizona, arizona yeah yeah and it was like well, people it just sounds go like vacation it's like there pretty potentially very regular looking people just yeah. letting all their junk hang out yeah and it was Which i guess it's not sexual which it's no, not, it's not. It's yeah. not even a little bit. Um, and I still get their emails, so I signed up to be on their email list and uh, <laughs> to see the stuff that's like offered for a Halloween party or whatever. It's it's like they're gonna watch, uh, uh, Nemo finding <laughs> Nemo. Nemo all naked, <laughs> all naked. <laughs> you know they're gonna do karaoke naked. They're gonna like make jewelry naked, and it's just it's. But they just say make jewelry, and then you're like, oh, yeah, they're doing that they're naked. They're doing that, all that shit naked. It Do is, they look, like, from the shoulders up, fairly crunchy? No. They, like, one one was, guy was, like, a surgeon. Another guy was they, just, like, a truck driver. There but, were, like, there were some people that were very heavily pierced and tatted mm-hmm. out um, and, like, fake tits. So there, it really ran, ran the gamut. It was, yeah, it was kind of everybody. And that yeah. was the one thing that they said that they liked about it was that you don't know, without people wearing clothes, you don't know, like, what they are. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, their social status is removed. Like, what you do for a living is removed. And it's very, you can just interact down. with someone mm-hmm. naturally. Like, Metaphorically a, as well. So yeah. that you just are getting to know the essence of one another. Right. And I, want, I, would, I would be interested in spending some actual time there. Because we were only there for, like, I don't know. Two three hours or so. Yeah, and it was there was a weird cold front that came in, so it was very <laughs> so difficult to be naked. We were trying to be naked. And we were so damn cold <laughs> that well, nobody else was naked. <laughs> yeah, this goes into my next question, which I'm curious about, just as someone who does a podcast. Logistically, how did you go Get to mic'd. places? Yes, like naked. were you? Oh well, that's more. That's the better question. I was wondering in general, like when you're at the zoo or when you're like, okay, we're here. Like, just were you wearing la- lavalier yeah. mics or so how does it all work? Wireless lav packs. I mean, again, this is why like Audible was crucial to us because there was always a producer there with us mm-hmm. and a sound guy. Yeah, she was fantastic, um, and uh, and so it would be yeah, it would be sound guy, producer, and then wireless lavs. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm because I mean. Were, did you feel like you were interrupting the experience a lot to comment on the experience? Or what, I mean, it sort of almost it, in listening, I was like, I, it sounds like you just kind of record this as if you were doing a TV show. Yeah. I mean, w- we raised that issue big time, especially at the nudist colony place, because mm-hmm. if there's a dude with a big, what is that mic called? Boom, boom, boom mic. mic. It was like, th- how are we going to have an intimate conversation with these people who are just trying to talk about like why they've chosen their naked lifestyle? Um, and also with children. We interviewed children and the mic really kind of got in the way. Um, but we would work to either not use the boom and, and figure out a way to do sound where it was like just picked up from our mic. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a big issue though. We had to, we had to deal with that yeah it's like it's very it's a very uh mediated experience Mm -hmm. you know 
you because also like you're you're trying to create content as well so it's like three different things you're trying to like narrate things so because no one can see what you're doing right, so you're right. like telling them what's happening but then also having uh, like an actual real interaction and then also kind of like trying to be have funny. a joke yeah 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 so how were you mic'd while you were nude Loves. We we did it, it was, ourselves. But like but attached to what? It was we had uh, an ace bandage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's smart. Like yeah. up around our chest because mm-hmm. we also went swimming. So like we only went up to our, our belly buttons in the water. Right. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it was here or here. We had a Britney mic occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. For for the action for the action sequences. <laughs> like I think we got in the water. Yeah. So I think we had a head mic on. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's an episode, um, which is. This is not the language you talking about sex. It's not called talking about sex, though, is it? Yeah, communication communi- about sex. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You interview a furry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is that's like a special interview to get because I didn't know this, but now I know they often don't want to talk to the media. Yeah, well, there's I mean, two separate camps too. There's like the daytime furries and the nighttime furries, and the daytime furries have no sex, and then the nighttime furries are all about sex, but they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Right? They really want you to think they're like the daytime furries, and so that's we we kind of found a real rebel who is willing to discuss the ins and outs of it with us because he was, and I think, and 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 his reasoning I think was was noble. Is just like you, you should communication is the only way that like stigmas go away. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and uh, because there was like a word, there was like a dude who was like the furry guru who just like after like an MTV no, episode or something no was just, law and order. Yeah, it was law and order, or and then just like yeah, sent the word out. No one is allowed to talk about mm-hmm. what we do. About what we do, and then yeah. so everyone's been very tight lipped. Yeah. Like, how does Except he even this get guy. that? What? On the furry bulletin board, or where does this go? Yeah, if it's How does he announce on, this? It's so somewhere I think on they, websites. Yeah, I think there's a lot of online <laughs> mm-hmm. interaction for furries, but then they do have these like big gatherings, right? Or, like huge parties. So, and like, I also think I imagine it. Though I came up, you know, in the improv scene in New York City. And I imagine it kind of like that. Like someone says it and makes a declaration that everybody's like, you know, like everybody's like chit chattering about it because it's like a high school, you know, community. Right. There's real hierarchy too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lauren, did you do improv as well? I did for a little while. Yeah. No, at UCB in New York. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I know a little bit of your background, Kurt. Um, I don't know know your background as much, Lauren. What's your story? Well, so I did um, I did improv uh, for a couple years, and then I did I was in one of the first um, web series. Mm-hmm. So, like, literally, when web series were starting in two thousand six, I was in one, and we she uh, won an Emmy for writing a web series. <gasps> That's yeah. so cool. What was yeah. it called? It was called Floaters. Um, I always have to make sure people understand it's not about poop. <laughs> Um, people. Everyone always assumed that's what it was about, but it's about. It's another term for temps because you Mm -hmm. float around one office. Um, yeah, it was cute. It was like a super cute web series. Um, and then and then yeah, I've just been acting. I had like a weird bout of deep sickness where I had to move home for a while, so I left New York and I was trying to get to L.A., but I was sick for two years. Was that? I know you have Lyme. Lyme, Yeah. So I found out later it was Lyme. Um, but at the time I didn't know. Mm Um, but yeah, ever since I've just been, I, I had a storytelling show, so I write and Kurt and I write together sometimes and audition and act and all that good stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. Um, so is Lyme disease something that you have for 
Like, is it a thing you just live with? Yeah, I think it's different for everyone, so it's hard to comment. But I think for you, then for me, I have I would say I'm like ninety to ninety five percent better, and pregnancy actually helped. Mm-hmm. I actually feel better after having the baby because sometimes they say your body like resets entirely. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm mostly all the way better, but I still go see this magic non Western doctor who gives me a million supplements and. You know, it's good for me to do a cleanse constantly and all that shit. Like, I'm I'm always working on it. Mm. But compared to some of my friends who I've met who have Lyme, who are kind of always very sick, I, I feel really blessed and I'm, I'm mostly full functioning. Do you know how you got it? I don't. One of my very best friends from like fourth grade on also has it. So I kind of think I got it when I was quite young in Maryland. Maryland's one of the worst states for right. it. Um, and then I ran a marathon in 2007. And I think my my immune system just really mm. dipped down. And that's when it hit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was kind of fascinated about by, you know, learning all about this because Lauren has it is that, uh, you know, you don't ever really get rid of it. Your body just manages it, your immune system. And a lot of people, I think have it that don't know about it because their immune system just takes care of it. Right. Um, right. And then when and then when it becomes a problem, it actually really impacts the immune system. And it's like a domino effect. You kind of have autoimmune disease. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. It is an autoimmune disease at the end. And which is crazy too, which is like that the, the it makes me insane that the uh, insurance does not call it. They yeah. only recognize it as a short-term thing. So you get mm. the tick bite and then you have it and then... And then it goes away. It goes away. Yeah. You can't have it 10 years later, which is what so many people have. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. 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 It does feel it's like dark. conspiracy level shit. It is. <laughs> yeah. Well, because insurance companies don't want to cover it if there's no solution for it. Right. Yeah. And there is no definite solution for it. There's a lot of treatments that definitely help. Mm-hmm. And they're um, expensive. Very expensive and it's all out of pocket. How was your childbirth experience? It was pretty good. Um, you know, in the the spectrum of how it can go, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do it medicine-free, uh, and I went, let's see. We got there at midnight. We got there at midnight, but I had been in labor for so, at least six hours, mm-hmm. and I was laboring hard. And I had been on a shoot <laughs> that, like, what, like, when she went, began labor, and then I was like trying to get back and then I finally made it back. Yeah. It was one of those things where I thought I was going into labor for two weeks mm-hmm. and then you feel like the boy who cried wolf and you can't <laughs> say when you're like actually having the baby because <laughs> I was so certain I was having the baby every day for two weeks. <laughs> you really were. And then the one day Kurt had something that he could not get out of. Yeah. What was it? Uh, it was Lady Dynamite, second season of Lady Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And it was the one, and we, everybody knew that my wife was pregnant and was doing any moment. And it was the one day there was 200 extras all dressed like uh, like uh, in traditional Swedish garb. <laughs> Even um, as was Kurt. It's a very as, funny as was picture. I was. And then it was like, that's the day that mm-hmm. like she goes into labor. And they're like, we can't move this day. There's 200 people <laughs> in Swedish garb here. Yeah. Um, and so, but like the, the, the was director was- wandering the streets of Atwater, just like yeah. occasionally falling to the ground. Oh, geez. Yeah. But there was like, uh, when I finally, when she finally texts like, come home now and I was like to the director I was like I gotta go and he's mm-hmm. like okay and he very very kindly like turned the whole camera set up around and got my last two shots and then he like wrapped me and then I was like running down this was this huge ballroom with all these people dressed up and a big red carpet down the middle and I was running down <laughs> and all of the extras were like cheering like you're gonna go have a baby 
all looking like these insane Swedish people. Um, and then I got and I found Lauren just walking through Atwater Village in the rain, in the rain, in the dark, just, you know, because you feel like you have to move. Moving yeah. is sort of the only thing. But so so I labored for six hours, which just means I was having contractions mm-hmm. like really super regularly. And we got to the I did not want to go in the car. Did you have that experience? Um, they induced me. So I oh. wasn't in labor yet when I was in the car, but okay. I could imagine I not even not in labor at that point in pregnancy. I was uncomfortable in a car. Yeah. Right. I had real anxiety she was in the back seat the only way i could i could get any relief was to move like Mm -hmm. it was i had to like move and groan and be on all fours it's so animalistic it really is um and so she was in the back seat in the wheel wells (laughs) with beyonce like blaring and just just screaming but i got there in the rain and i was six centimeters dilated oh wow you're that's like pretty far along that's that's like active labor so we really pat ourselves on the back i was like we're gonna have a baby and then uh for the next six hours i had a contraction every two minutes that lasted two minutes Mm. and it was so extreme and he came in to check me and I at so 6 a.m. at 6 a.m. And he was like, ah, we're six and a half. <laughs> He's like, you're about the same. And then I just called uncle and I was like, I need the, Epidural. the drugs. Yes. But then waited till my absolute breaking point. And if you wait until the, your breaking point, the epidural is like reserved. There's a line. Mm. So I had to wait an hour and a half after that for them to come in and give me the epidural, <sighs> oh, which God. was just, I truly was Right, because once you make the decision. Yeah, you, you're at, you are at your capacity. You yeah. are at your pain threshold. And then it was an hour and a half after that. And I was truly just screaming, help. Yeah. Oh. I was just yelling as loud as I could, help, which is a very funny thing to yell at a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, everyone knows you need help. Everyone yeah. knows you have a baby. Like, if I scream louder, maybe they'll come faster. Uh, but then they came and gave me an epidural, and she was born at 1 p.m. the next day. Yeah. And it was like, she was tiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, not super tiny, but uh, six... Six four, four mm-hmm. six fourteen. Four, six fourteen. Um, just under seven pounds. Right. But I assumed I was going to have like a ten pound baby because he's big and I was huge. Mm-hmm. So tell me your story. Um. So they induced me, and were you like a week or two or no? I was. My doctor didn't want me to go past my due date. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And I had all, like so many friends being like, don't no the one piece of advice I can give you, don't let them induce you. But I just, I, I got a second opinion that, and that doctor was also said that like, yeah, don't be afraid of being induced. The whole point of this is like to figure out when the best time. And so, yeah. you know, after 39 or I forget, like in the last, any time in the last month or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I was afraid of being induced, but I didn't feel like it would be prudent to, to refuse being induced. Um, And it was like my, they wanted to induce me really close to my due date, but the only time the hospital had available, because then it becomes a scheduling thing, was like the next day. So that freaked me out. And I remember when I found out, like, you know, I got got a call from the hospital scheduler saying, or I forget the some some scheduler saying like, okay, you know, you're gonna we're gonna induce tomorrow. you, yeah, at ten a.m. tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm not available at that time because <laughs> my husband had a dermatology appointment. Um, and they kind of explained that's the only time. And then you know, we went and, <laughs> and we went and we saw it's a very important mole check. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, we went and saw my OB and then we walked out and I turned to my husband, I started crying and I'm like, I just feel like this is happening to me. And yeah. I just was like, not emotionally, even though it was only a matter of days, I just didn't like, I yeah. didn't feel ready. Oh, you're scared no matter what. Yeah. It's so then we huge. did it, um, you know, went to the hospital and the did pig- they just start giving you, um, well, so there was this question of like, are we going to use Cervidil or Cytotec to start? Cause mm-hmm. I was, my cervix was quote unquote unfavorable. Like there was zero changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to, before they start the Pitocin, which starts the contractions, they have to give you something to yes. like start opening your cervix because otherwise it won't work. Mm-hmm. And Cytotec works a lot faster than Cervidil. Okay. So, but there are people who warn you against Cytotec. Like we had a doula who was like, don't let them use Cytotec on you. And I'm like, something that works in X amount of hours versus like 24 hours sounds a lot better at this. But anyway, I was already starting to contract, even though I didn't feel it. I was having like contractions, like kind of pre-labor stuff fast enough that they couldn't use the fast one on me. So they used the slow one. So they put in the Cervidil and then... They left it in for 24 hours. So it's like I was having contractions, but nothing really was happening until the next morning. Um, And then they put the balloon in. Mm -hmm. um, And then they they broke my water later that day. So this is now like I've been up for a long – I mean, I slept like a tiny bit, but I've been up for a long time. They broke my water. They saw that there was meconium in the water. And oh. I said, what does that mean? And they said, oh, that means there'll be extra people in the room when you deliver. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. Because on my birth plan was like, you know, as few people Private. as possible. Yeah. 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 I was, I had been up for long enough and was like laboring enough yeah. that I was so easily distracted by their answer that it didn't occur to me until like weeks later. Like, that's not what I was asking, you know? Yeah. Right. So, um, Anyway, just to, to make this faster, I, I had a walking epidural earlier, uh-huh. and then when I switched to the regular epi- epidural, I was nervous about my legs being numb, so I think that they like made it very weak, okay. because the epidural could never, like the regular epidural catch could up. never really catch up, yeah, so oh. I wasn't that numb, I Ooh. felt a lot of it, um, when they put the calf, I had a, like a pretty tr- traumatic birth experience for me, when they put the, I was very nervous about the catheter, uh-huh. Um, they like promised me you'll be numb when we put this in. Uh-huh. They put it in, and it's like I felt the most intense oh. urge oh. to urinate ever, and I was like begging them, please just take. Like I was so uncomfortable. It was like a nine on the pain scale. Oof. It was that I was begging them, please take it out. Let uh-huh. me just run to the bathroom. Yeah, but like once they start the epidural, legally they can't let you yeah. out of the bed, so they wouldn't. Oh man, they like tried a bunch. Of, finally, they got that worked. Out. Like. After spraying me with numbing stuff, which did nothing, and then also like advancing the catheter, which did nothing, a nurse is like, if your epidural's working, you shouldn't be feeling uh, this. Yeah. So then they turned the epidural up. Um, anyway, then I uh, finally had Elliot, and we were going to do delayed cord clamping, mm-hmm. um, but the doctor like pretty fast was like to to Daniel, cut the cord, cut the cord. And we were like, what? Like not knowing what's going on. She's like, we have to get him breathing, cut the cord. And so they, um, Daniel cut the cord and then they took Elliot over to that warming thing that's in the room. And then I, like they were distracting me. So I delivered my placenta and then I was like, oh, so did I, I was very nervous about tearing. Like, did I tear? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, we have to do just one stitch. Okay, well, my epidural wasn't really working. Am I going to, like, I was so distracted by everything else. And I heard what was going on in the background, but like, it wasn't until I heard them count, like 
in the CPR way that I'm like, is he going to be okay? And my doctor said they have to assess him, which I didn't reassure me at all. So anyway, he, it took him a long time to start breathing. So they had to, to resuscitate him. Um, and then he went to the NICU and I thought it was going to be like for an hour. I didn't realize, no, he's got to stay in the NICU overnight. And then, I mean, like we never roomed with him. He was in the NICU the whole time because they have to like, Weeks after, I was like, I still don't understand why he had to go to the NICU because they got him breathing. He was fine. He was seven pounds, 11 ounces. Like he wasn't little. Uh Um, But I guess they, there's all this stuff they have to check because they don't know why there was meconium. Okay. Um, He was fine. His temperature like fluctuated a little bit in the beginning, which Mm -hmm. then made him have to stay longer. But um, it just, I feel very lucky, especially after having been in the NICU and seeing, yeah. you know, yeah. for some people, like what, like yeah. I had Rob Hubel on recently oh, yeah. and who had like a tiny preemie and they were in the NICU for a long time and we were only in, in the NICU for a couple of days. I feel really lucky. That being said, it kind of did a number on me. Yeah. yeah. That whole experience. Oh, it just, yeah. it wasn't what I expected. It was very confusing to me. I felt like people weren't being straight with me. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, um, you know, I had the interrupted bonding, so I didn't get to hold him until mm-hmm. many hours after he was born. And that was a really weird time. Um, and now I have uh, talked so much on this episode where I'm interviewing you guys. No, no I mean, like, that fascinating. is... He's yeah. such a sweet little boy, Thank though. you. Everything turned out okay. It did, yeah. 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 I feel like I finally now I feel like I'm really sort of relaxing into motherhood. Yeah. And I, I'm... I mean, I been bonded to him for a long time but i just wonder would it have been different if we had had the normal Mm -hmm. like getting to hold him right after and you know all of that do you think you're gonna have another one oh man just you you saying the story we talk about we talk about it a lot there's so many ways it can all go wrong um my whole leg did go numb by the way from the epidural Mm -hmm. is very annoying did it interfere with pushing do you think no it it was just very, very annoying. I kept mm-hmm. asking people to rub my foot because it was like, it, it was weird. all I could think about. It just felt, it was like... Um, was it tingling? Y- yeah, it was like it was falling asleep. Oh, I just, it was yeah. driving me crazy. But um, but did it did it quell the pain? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't feel anything except for that. Mm. Um, uh, so, yes, I do think we'll have another one. Or we'll try. You know, I like, I don't, I won't do I, we won't do ivf or anything mm-hmm. um but if it happens easily then we'll definitely try i just we're both terrified about it because this first baby really did a number on us and she is a dream of a baby she's like That's a good thing. sleeper she's really really happy we're gonna get um, we're gonna get we're gonna have a problem. everybody keeps telling us <laughs> we're gonna have like a colicky baby or something because that's our karma um <laughs> but but no, I mean, I think we would l- both like to. I think because I'm an only child and Kurt doesn't necessarily have the same feeling, um, but I, w- I would really like to have, let her have siblings mm-hmm. just for end of times and stuff. <laughs> so they can watch out for each other <laughs> yeah. when it all ends. Yeah, you need to have somebody who's like... And my argument against it genetically is Genetically like, obligated. I know brothers and sisters <laughs> who don't like each other, you know, who like don't chat. Like sure, that, it's like fine. That's totally possible, but yeah. I but I know a lot who are very very close yeah. with their siblings. So yeah, yeah. But it's hard to imagine doing it. How do you feel? Um, from the beginning, I always wanted two. At yep. one point, when I was much younger, I wanted three. But now, like if 
the fact that we had one is kind of a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. So if we yeah. can have, hopefully we can have another. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I always wanted to, and uh, Daniel's an only child and also wants to, but I think is more like, is more, uh, would be more okay with the idea of just one. Yeah. And my therapist yeah. who was like, so you know, tell me why you want to. And I went into all my reasons and stuff. And she said that people often unconsciously want to replicate their own, the family they grew up in. Uh, and I'm, I have older, much older brothers, but it was mostly me and my sister. Okay. So it's interesting though, since you're both basically only kids that you do want to have another one. So she's wrong. She's I mean, wrong. like I, I would be totally comfortable with just one, but then I feel like people have told me who have two, like you really should. Cause then they're like there for each other. And mm. I do want her to like have someone there for, and I, I do remember this idea we're both talking at the Go same ahead. time quickly um that it's very hard in the beginning like tremendously hard but then it gets a little bit easier because they're right. their company with the, you know they have each other they can play together they can hang out like i was always nagging my mom <laughs> to, to hang out with me i was like will you play with me somebody fucking play with me i was like knocking on strangers doors or what have you so and I, I did that stuff too i definitely yeah. like just what if someone moved in I would like go to them and be like, "Do you have anyone for me do you to have play a with? Do you have a child? I would do that too. Yeah, yeah. And so I do remember that like feeling lonely, lonely. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it just made me stronger. Shut up. <laughs> I think I think we'll try. Mm-hmm. I, just a question of when, and right. it's something that it's strange to. Th- I never thought this would be like this would take up so much space in my brain, but it's every day I think about it. You think about having another kid every day. Well, just about when and if and yeah. timing, because you don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to. It's so much because to, it just I'm, hasn't I'm been enough the, time. I have to it's say, only I been nine months. The grumpiest person when it comes to this stuff, but I did not enjoy being pregnant. Mm-mm. I didn't enjoy breastfeeding. Um, you know, she rejected the boobs, so I exclusively have been pumping for the last nine months, oh God. which is just a real drag. And so to imagine, that's a that's a year and a half of my life where I just completely did not get to make my own decisions about my body. And the thought of doing that again for another at least year and a half is is so deflating. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think about it several times a day, just like, when will it be? When's the right time? And I think that you have, I think enough time has to go by for us to have forgotten about how difficult this mm-hmm. was, you know? I'll never I th- forget. <laughs> <laughs> We've definitely talked about it enough yeah. at this point that we'll never forget. I'll never forget. Uh, but I think that that's what has to happen. Like, enough time has to go by for them. We're like, all right, yeah. Well, we kind of just now we power through, part. too. It's right. like, we're in it. Just do it. Just get it over with, and then we'll be done. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I am starting to get baby fever it's not baby fever it's more like am i coming down with a slight baby cold you know it's like oh the idea yeah i could imagine like holding a newborn would be nice but then there'll be something that's like oh like right now it's hard to change elliot's diaper because he constantly wants to flip over does olive do that (laughs) yes yeah um and if it's a poopy diaper it's like oh please don't yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, spin and put your foot in it. Yeah. And I know that he will get through this phase, but it's like, do I want to just back it up with another? You know, yeah. Do I, I want to go through all of this again? Yeah, like there's stuff we don't know right around the corner waiting for us from the older child. So we're right. going to be like in that hell mm-hmm. and then we'll have the other. But yeah, we're going to do it. Has the, because I've struggled um, 
with the work, child balance, mm-hmm. career, identity, all of that stuff. Yeah. How's that been for you? It Well, it just feels like we're very lucky in that she's in daycare. And I think daycare has really helped me feel like I could get back to doing stuff that makes me me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, before that, it was tough. Well, she didn't start daycare until what? Six months. No, later than that. Seven months. It was like seven or eight months. So those first months are really hard to find a balance where you're you're doing anything at all for yourself. Right. Uh, but now I feel like really good. I feel like we're in a really good spot. When I'm with her, I'm so happy to be with her. I miss her when I'm not with her. Um, you know, we just had a really long vacation where we were all together the whole time and it was great. Um, but before daycare, I found myself really itching for like, I just need to check my email. Like I need to fucking look at my computer. I need to go to a target and wander the aisles. Never mind the stuff like write something or like finish this goal that I set for myself. Mm -hmm. That stuff is always looming in the back of my head. Um, but I feel good. I feel good now. I think, I think that part of my agita about another one is that obviously that'll be upended again. Right. Yeah. I think as a stand-up, it's put me in a place where I have to, like, ask a lot of questions. You know, I think I've had, like, an identity crisis in my stand-up writing, at least. I mean, I'm just writing, uh, I'm just trying to write all the time. Um, But now it's like, okay, the only thing I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. (laughs) is stuff about uh, baby stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. like, that's my main experience, because we don't really, you know, you don't go out at night anymore. You're not, like, going going we crazy do a little bit i mean a little bit but then you you have to go home and like go to bed early because you have to wake up at yeah. 6 a.m yeah. um and so it's like do i want and then i like write stuff about that and then i'm like but then do i want to just be writing dad material mm-hmm. you know and so it is and then it's like okay well what if i don't do that what do i write you know and so it's just been for me at least uh uh kind of uh i would say on one level it's like a crisis and on another level it's an opportunity to uh, discover something new. <laughs> That's what I, the way I have to look at it, because otherwise I get a little, and I think I get a little depressed about that. Do you feel connected to the dad material that you write? Yeah, I love, I mean, it's my life. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I like totally. Uh, there's been a lot of famous dad comedians too. 100%. Um, but also there's a lot of material there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff that has already been said mm. about being a dad. Um and so it does feel a little bit like it's difficult to find something that is actually new and hasn't been said before. Um, and so I think that that's kind of like the, the, the thing that I'm managing right now and trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely am like, uh, I'm, we're in, I'm, I'm in a, a unique position, I would say. Right. Um, in, uh, in that, yeah, I, I may be a little lost right now, but that's good to recognize that you're lost because that's the way you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you seem very calm about it. I don't know if that's just you because I think about it every day. Yeah, you know, and I like write about it every day. Um, it's just a lot of like hitting my head up against a wall. It feels like, but uh, that's the way you get to like a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least the way I do. So with wedlock, what is you, you still do wedlock live shows, right? Mm-hmm. What yeah, are those like? We'll, we'll be doing one, one in Austin at uh, Moon, Moon Tower, Tower Festival in April. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, so we'll cool. be doing wedlock. We just kind of have to find a new home for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're recording new episodes already. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, and we'll just kind of evolve a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But the live show, though, is cool because we bring this recorded element 
and then we interact with the recorded element live on stage and then we do our similar thing where we uh we interview so but it's it ends up feeling like the same segments of the show and that we interview an unlikely expert and we have this like segment of where we've gone on a field trip we're just playing the recording of that Mm -hmm. yeah now when you okay so on the communicating about sex episode you meet with a tantric shaman mm-hmm. yeah but you pronounce it tantra which is also how i would pronounce it and then she she just she didn't correct you but you said tantra and she's like in tantra did you feel that she was correcting you because i no, did okay, i did good. not you i don't even, even remember notice. i don't remember um yeah that would that was a fascinating thing that there's just like a tantric sex shaman that you can go to right yeah, i guess i'm saying tantric now Tantric. No, I want like to say tantric. More tantric sounds, sounds. Really, that's your jersey coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to, soft penis penetration, that's a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is I that mean, the thing? Is it's that one of the Sting things. Sting and Trudy are doing it? There were so many things. The way this woman described it, it was like, you could study it for 90 years and you would never know all the secrets of tantric sex. <laughs> um, but yes, just that was like the zinger from our, for, that was a big takeaway from it. It was like, I would never think, I would, that wouldn't be a thing that I would. And that was like, that's how you invite, invite it in. That's how you wake it's the gotta be vagina up. To invite it in. <laughs> Your genitals are talking. You don't know it, but they are. Right. They're having a conversation. Right. Yeah. She's like, you have to you let kept- them talk it out. <laughs> And they can't talk it out when one of them's like hard and intrusive. Getting shoved in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is fascinating. I definitely thought, because we definitely tried it for the podcast and everything. I definitely thought it was, there were some interesting parts to it. Definitely. Yeah. Right? Like I think if we were very, very bored <laughs> for a very long time, we might like discover something cool. It's just so time consuming. And there's like a lot of waiting for yes. your for your junk to like, figure shit out Lauren is very impatient (laughs) it's like meditation during sex you know it's like uh and so you can't kind of meditation with someone's soft dick inside you (laughs) (laughs) i mean it doesn't stay soft you know i mean (laughs) it's just like the way for enough time for Yeah, and then you just start having sex. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, we've had an hour of, of tantric sex instruction. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. But Oh, yeah, there's definitely. She made it clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's do Just Me or Everyone. This is a segment where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me? Is it everyone? And mm-hmm. then we say whether we also do these things. Great. Sometimes I ponder on something All right. John Schember says, rather than stumble over the syllables to Worcestershire, I call it Chex Mix Bold Sauce. I just, I say Worcestershire, but now it's like, I'm wondering, am I saying it wrong? Because it's spelled Worcestershire. I call it Worcester Sauce. Just like the like, just like the Massachusetts town, Worcestershire, Worcestershire. Isn't it Worcester called? Isn't it spelled Worcestershire? Yeah, right. Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah, so right. you just call it Worcester sauce. Worcester, Worcestershire, and also L E I 
Leicester Square, uh-huh. which I think it's spelled like Leicester. Leicester, yeah. 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 Right. But I would they have say said, it Leicester, right? I would have said Leicester. Yeah. And also... Also... Uh, Mel- Melbourne. They don't say Melbourne. Oh, yeah. They, they say, say Melbourne. 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 Le- Kurt Melbourne. loves that one. Really? I'm always <laughs> like, you're not from Australia. Well, now I've... Because I, I used to say like Melbourne. And it, it's like... <laughs> also, it's how do you much. say Edinburgh? Edinburgh. Well, you know, spend enough time at those places. They yell at you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially Melbourne and Edinburgh. They yell and yell at you and laugh at you if you mispronounce it. So then it like comes over. Yeah. Apparently it's also Boise, not Boise. Really? Boi- they will yell at you, I guess. Boise instead Boise. of Boise. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We, I used to regularly have someone on the show who had gone to... Where did he go, Jeff? University of Idaho? Wait, no, it's not Idaho. Boise, Idaho. No, it is Idaho. I think so. Boise. 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 Anyway, he said it was Boise. Okay. But it sounds weird. I agree. All of the right ways sound weird. It sounds yeah. like girlsy Boise. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Z Train says, when taking bread slices from a loaf, I flip them differently before laying down based on which side of slices I am applying stuff to. Flip so sides facing each other are up for PB and J. Flip so sides facing away from each other to butter for grilled cheese. Uh. This is to ensure the shape of the... This is a two-part tweet. To ensure the sl- shape of the slices matches up perfectly when put back together, since sometimes the loaf isn't perfectly shaped and the slices won't match up if flipped, so slices are an opposite orientation from how they were in the loaf. Whoa. I'm a little confused by Me this. Because at first I thought he was talking about the ends, but he's not. He's talking about, like, upside down, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't understand how I, it won- at how they come back. And if you have sourdough, this is just chaos. Yeah. Because that'd be like two weird sort of like boomerang shapey things. I'm trying to figure out what's the difference between making a grilled cheese and making... Oh, well, because you got to butter both sides for grilled cheese. The back sides. Yeah. Oh, you butter the back sides. Yeah, I guess he doesn't butter the front sides. I don't understand what he's talking about. Neither do I. Yeah. I thought he was saying that he would take the pieces out and then... As they're facing each other, as they originally come out, he'll open them like a book, so that when they go back together, there, there's a there's a kind of symmetry to it. Okay, because a loaf will have a little bit of an angle on the yeah, top, right? So I think that's that seemed like that was part of what he was saying. I don't know about the second half. Yeah, the I flip flipping. them differently before laying. This is a we've had a string of. Very challenging, just me or everyone's. Uh, I flip them differently before laying down based on which side of slices I am applying stuff to. I think... Flip so sides facing each other are up for PB&J. Flip so sides facing away from each other to butter for... I understand now. Okay, please explain. So if they come in the if they come in the loaf facing each other, so the left is facing the right. Uh-huh. For a PBJ, you would have the left up and the right up. But because uh, you have to butter it, uh, you would put the the left down and the right down, butter it on the on the outside, then put it together so it's like it was in the loaf. I've never. I've never thought done, about I've it. I've never looked for the L and the R on my bread. And or so like this I side would out. say just him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's across the board, just him. Because I, if you've thought about it, then 
But if you haven't thought about it, then you know you don't do it. But maybe I will now. I won't. I think I do this. I don't this, care. Except when I make grilled cheese, I don't butter the bread. I butter the pan. Oh, oh right. I got to butter the bread. Which side yeah. of the pan? <laughs> <laughs> Both, right? Uh, okay, Mona says, ever had someone be mad at you for no good reason, so then you get mad at them for being mad? I feel like... Yes. I feel like 75% of the times I'm mad, are it's for that reason. Yeah. yeah. It's for like, but how could you? you now I'm mad. Me? Yes. Yeah. Me too. Maybe a hundred percent. Almost, almost always. That's why I'm mad yeah. because I feel like there's an injustice in that person's feelings towards me. Yes. Right. I think the last time I got mad at Lauren, that was the reason because she she like uh, crashed the car a little bit. Crashed the car. <laughs> you drove. You drove into something that is in our driveway. Oh man, we're going into this. We've had this fight so many times. He blocked the driveway a little bit by like a half foot. And in order, and in order to drive around, she drove into I was running late, and then he blocked the driveway, and then I couldn't get out, and I didn't have time to like run in and do the whole right. switch of car thing. I we only have one key for the one car, so I tried against my better judgment to like swerve around, and I hit the. We have like a gate. I hit it, and I was pissed, and I yelled, and then he was mad that I was mad at him. Yeah. But that was like a real blinding rage of like, you're why are you mad at me? You drove the car into the fucking pole. <laughs> yeah, I was so I was like, why would you block? Yeah. the goddamn driveway. Back he was rushing back the... so I could leave. Yeah. Anyway, and so now where are you guys with all of this? We oh, we're fine. We a, still haven't gotten it fixed. We still have a dent. We it's still a leased have... car. It's a leased car. We're, we're gonna figure... have to pay for it. We'll return, but it. not today. When we return it, they'll fix it. <laughs> I meant where I meant like is the fight resolved? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. When you because you said on the podcast that you fight or you did fight a lot or you do fight a lot. Is it like, um, or at the beginning you fought? There was a time when you, oh, at the beginning we would like full on. Are these fight like fights. yelling fights or yeah. just like, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, full on yelling fights. I don't think we have full on yelling fights as much anymore. It's little bickering sometimes. things. Yeah, we bicker a lot, but yeah. sometimes that explodes to me yelling. Um, but like where, I mean, for instance, this car fight that we're talking about, I drove away. He yelled at me more than I yelled at him. I drove away. I did my audition. As soon as I got out of the audition, I called and I was like, I'm sorry that, you know, like I didn't, I shouldn't have gotten upset. I'm sorry. That whole thing was crazy. And he was like, I'm sorry too. Oh, and so, you know, but that was a dumb fight. I think if it's like a deep seated, more like, yeah. But also, you're therapy, not being considerate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those, also, therapy are helped to about get understand. I think when you get angry, it's because you don't understand the person's feelings. Right. right. And when you can, when you have like a baseline of like these are the things that in the past have like set me off, and here's why. Then it's like, oh, okay, I can understand at least if I don't agree with you. At least I understand where you're coming from. Um, Leela Rolling Stone says. The answer to the question, do you want to get the meatball sampler, is never no. (laughs) I've never encountered a meatball sampler. Is this a regional thing? A sausage sampler, yes. Never a meatball sampler. I mean, what are the options of meatballs, I guess different types of meat. Oh. There used to be one of those, you know, that German uh, fast food sausage place. Yeah. Wiener schnitzel? Yeah, Wiener schnitzel. 
There used to be one where I lived in New York, uh, and I guess they were just opening, and there was always a lady out front with like a bunch of different cut-up meatballs. Oh. So that's what I am imagining, because you're never right. not going to get one when you walk by. Even also- They're the grossest meatballs. That's the thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of meatballs. Mm, yeah. I would prefer a burger or a sausage, but a meatball is like, meh. I love a meatball. You love a meatball? I think they're so good, yeah. Like, wow. what's your favorite meatball preparation? Yeah. Like an Italian- Situation. So in like a so- like in a red sauce, you just yeah. love that. So we gave up dry pork meat probably I don't know four <laughs> months ago. No, in, in a sauce, in a yeah. tomato sauce. Yeah, but then when you cut into it, it's just dry. Remember beef. at Alaqua those meatballs? They're fine. Oh, I love them. Love them. <laughs> but you like them on pasta or in they a sandwich? They don't even need to be on pasta. Just, just solo. Like, yeah, with a the solo. sauce. Yeah, and a little right. bit of cheese maybe. So you gave up pork? We did. Yeah, because we watched that movie. <laughs> okay. Oh. that's the dumbest reason to give up eating pork because it's totally did not a real animal no but i pretty much gave up eating pork too because i haven't watched black mirror like everyone else but we no it wasn't black mirror it was there's a show on is it called easy it's on netflix and it's like there's an easy show called easy yeah and each one is different people yeah Uh um what's that called oh yeah it's uh, anthology series. Yeah. Yes, it's an anthology series. Um, and there's I only watched part of one, but a character is is watching these videos on YouTube of like how of, of a slaughterhouse. Yeah, and it was one of those things where I was like, I, I was so angry that I had because I didn't choose to see that. Yeah. Yes. Um. So I was very upset that like even it just flashed on the s- screen real fast. Um, and so then I'm like, well, and now I barely eat. I still like, I actually had a couple bites of salami last night. So mm. I guess I'm really not sticking with it that much, but in general, I don't eat pork yeah. anymore. Yeah. I, yeah. I slip good... every once in a while, but yeah. Yeah. Okja, have you seen it? No, I it's won't because really it will upset me too much. Very upsetting. Yeah. 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 It's also a very good movie. It's a great movie, but it's tough to watch. It's so sad. Yeah. At the end. Yeah, throughout. <laughs> I read this. This is what I do with, because I'm very sensitive, so there's a lot of stuff I yeah. just can't watch because it'll be too disturbing. But then I go read the Wikipedia uh-huh. synopsis. So I'm like, very upset by the Wikipedia. Yeah. Oftentimes, yes. I pretty much, like, I could not get through Handmaid's Tale. Did you watch Handmaid's Tale? Yes. Yeah, I had read the book, so I kind of knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it not get under your skin? And <clears throat> It's different just, when you've read the book. Right. Yeah. I mean, I felt like why well, I was like, this is dark. Here we go into dark town. I mean, I could tell it was so good. Yeah. But yeah. it just was too. Yeah. Too. It's so yeah. bleak. There are parts I, of it that are. I think in the middle of the series, you're just like, oh, this is depressing me. It's yeah. so bleak. Yeah. You kind of don't necessarily like want to like, I have an hour to kill. What do I want to do? Get <laughs> right. myself into this feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I felt similarly about the left, not the same, but the leftovers. Mm-hmm. Did you have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I haven't watched the last season. I heard it's really good, but the seasons prior to that, I was like, I'm not enjoying the experience of watching this at all, and yet I'm going to continue super dark, watching. Yeah, yeah. The first, first season is super dark. I liked the first season. After that, it kind of lost me a little bit. I it, liked the last season, but I don't know if there were. I guess there was only one in the middle. I didn't love that season. Mm-hmm. It's kooky. I do feel like at certain points they're just like, whatever we want, we do whatever we want. (laughs) It's like, if there is a logic here, it is real far out there. Right. With a lot of, I'd have to read some texts that you would send me in the mail Mm. to understand why these things make sense together. Yeah. So then should I watch the final season? 
Yeah, I yeah. think you should. I like the final season. It also just feels like a good good closure. Right. It's less all over the place. Okay. I'll yeah. do it then. Kurt and Lauren, it was so nice having you guys on the show. Thank you for, Thank having, you for us. having us. Um, it was great to be here. You guys, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's different reward levels, all sorts of fun stuff. You can get bonus episodes. You can get access to an exclusive live stream with me and sometimes with other people. There's a level where you get merch in the mail. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Um, okay. Tell people where they can go to find you, to find Wedlock. Do all, this is the part they've been the waiting plugs. for. The this plugs. is what everybody's yeah. been waiting for. They, <laughs> they might have fast forwarded just <laughs> till now. They slept through <laughs> until this moment. Wedlock is available anywhere you get podcasts. Just look for uh, Wedlock uh, with Kurt and Lauren. Yep. And we'll be doing live show, as we said, at Moon Tower in Austin. I'll also be doing some stand up uh, uh, in February at Helium, uh, in March in Laugh Boston, and in Vermont in uh, March as well. And yeah. Um, El Chooch Train on Twitter and your butt, Lauren Cook, <laughs> uh, because we wrote a butt across country a long time ago. That's on Instagram. Right. Great. Jeff, where do we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen and follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Follow me on Instagram at Allison Rosen. And if you want to send in a just me or everyone, bread-based or otherwise, tweet that to A-R-I-Y-N-B-F <laughs> and use the hashtag J-M-O-E, which is just me or everyone. Thank you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know and Rose and Show. We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Alice and Rose is your new band.